Hello, brand marketers, agencies, vendors, mom and dad. Welcome to the latest episode of Catalyst, the podcast that brings you the latest trends in experiential marketing. I'm Kate Romano, Director of Marketing here at Kramer. And I'm Joe Lovett, Director of Strategic Planning. In each episode, we'll discuss one emerging trend that will make your brand experience memorable. Are you ready, Trendy Joseph? I am indeed. Let's go. All right, Joe, what is this week's trend? Okay, uh, Kate, there is something that I've been wanting to ask you for a while. Uh, what was your Second Life uh, avatar name? I didn't have one. You did not have a Second Life avatar? No. Okay, well, probably many of us didn't. Uh, <laughs> it, for the, for those of you that, uh, that don't remember Second Life, it was sort of this uh, virtual reality world, your Second Life, if you will, and they were out there selling all sorts of uh, – I think they were selling countries and plots of land and actually digital goods like clothes and digital cars and things like that to your virtual avatar. It was essentially your second life. So the the challenge probably that happened with oh, Second Life – Was this a farm game that everyone used to invite me to? Farmville? No, this was oh, not okay. Farmville. That was like a social media uh, type game, like Candy Crush. It was one of like the original ones that they use social to try to. Okay. Um, but no, and I think one of the challenges with um, with Second Life was it, it it came before its time, right? Like mm-hmm. the technology just wasn't there. Like there was, you know, the avatars weren't very realistic. You were kind of staring at a screen. But I think that that we've always been after this. How can we get that human interaction and experience? In a virtual way, right? We're always trying to like sort of get closer to that human interaction on a, you know, in a, in a virtual way. And in virtual reality may finally be the technology that enables us to do this. Uh, historically, virtual reality, for anyone that's ever tried it, it is an amazing experience. I mean, it really feels like you are in the world that you are dropped into. But historically, it's been a pretty solitary experience. And, and there's been Where you f- look like a complete weirdo <laughs> to anybody watching you with your headset on. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Don't try to walk around with the things. <laughs> but um, and there's been a few sort of uh, group VR experiences kind of here and there. But recently, Facebook, who owns Oculus, uh, announced something called Oculus Venues. And it's really uh, poised to just radically transform this group sort of VR experience. One example, so, you know, the, the whole the whole point of this is that people will actually together in virtual reality watch concerts and sports and movie premieres with potentially thousands of other people around the world. In a virtual venue. In a virtual venue, yes. And they actually say that this is kind of the pivotal technology or the pivotal uh, strategy that's going to move – Facebook from a mere social media platform, arguably the biggest uh, social media platform, to a mass media member. And so let me give you a couple examples of, of how this is working today and, and how this could transform our world of, of events. So uh, Fox Sports, for instance, um, worked with Buffalo Wild Wings, and they actually created this virtual suite. So you could go in, you put your goggle, your your Oculus goggles on into the privacy of your own office or home or wherever you are, and you basically enter a suite, a box suite, um, and watch a soccer match. You have uh, other up, so you're literally watching it. You have other avatars that you're looking at. Uh, you have multiple. I'm an avatar. You're right? an avatar. And I'm asking other avatars to join me, or they're already there. 
Uh, you can all you can ask others to join you, okay. uh, and there will probably other be others in the box with you. And I'm paying for this experience. Um, well, this was done with uh, Buffalo Wild Wings, so it was more of a, a marketing gotcha. uh, a marketing initiative. But yeah, there is a potential that maybe people will actually pay for these types of experiences. But um, you know, on top of the things that you normally would get uh, because it is digital, you can look at different camera angles. You can relive moments. Um, you can socialize. So it's really sort of being in the box, seeing this really awesome game, essentially as you would see it if you're in the box at the actual stadium, but you have all these digital um, touch points and experiences too. Minus the popcorn. It, with no popcorn unless you're popping it at home. <laughs> and do it before you put on the goggles, by the way. Yes. Good. Good safety um, tip there, Joe. Uh, <laughs> safety first. <laughs> Uh, another example is uh, the NBA's going into its second season of having their regular season games in VR. And, you know, I, I like to think about this as there's always been kind of two ways that you can watch a, a sporting event, right? You can be there. And right. if you're there, you're feeling the energy of the place. You're marveling at the size of the athletes, right? And just what they're capable and the speed and, and their agility and all this kind of thing, as well as just the buzz and energy of the actual arena. Or you can watch it at home in the privacy of your own home. You don't have to buy a ticket. In your pajamas. You, you can watch it in your pajamas. There's no line at the bathroom. The beer is relatively cheap. You know, but you just you're sort of not getting the you're you're gaining convenience, but you're not getting the full experience. Right, right, right. And sort of in the middle there exists this virtual reality space, right? So, you know, unlike being there, which depending on how much you pay dictates what your seat's going to be like, you can actually choose what seat you actually want to sit in. Uh, you know, it feels like you're really there because it is digital. You can see, you know, again, different camera angles and replays and and kind of engage that way. So it's really kind of in the middle of these two sort of historically different viewing experiences, and it's right in the middle and potentially the best of both worlds. Right, and I think the added advantage, right, if, say, you're watching NBA, you can get sort of like live statistics on the screen as well. So you, That's so, right. So you're learning a lot and you're knowing a lot more about what's going on than, say, if you were just in a seat in the stadium. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, if you really want to re watch a replay over and over again, you know, you got to go down to your phone and sort of get out of that live experience. Right. Where now you can just pull it up and kind of continue to watch it. You in know, your in, in that your, virtual in your world, in your virtual world. That's right. right, and I imagine it's VIP style, this virtual venue. That's right, exactly. And and the NBA is already. It looks like they're already charging more for this. Um, right, I was going to ask. Package. So tickets are very expensive to an NBA game. Yep. Now, if people start attending in a virtual stadium, yep. What's is that the NBA to... losing money? Um, you know the the. The sport, sports have always made money from those TV packages or, or you know, con contemporary yeah. sports have, have made that from the TV, the TV deals and sponsorships and things like that. Um, the in-person stadium experience is still is, is still an important part of the game, but it does definitely pale in comparison to the revenue that they make from, you know, your remote viewing audience because it's inherently a much, much bigger audience that's tuning into a game than say the 15,000, 17,000 in sort of basketball in the or the, right that fit in the stadium exactly. Gotcha. So, we talked a little bit about sports and in, in, in the entertainment industry, but what does this mean for our world, for the B2B event planners of the world? What do virtual venues mean for them? I mean, we keep talking about the live experience and and in this world where 
people are constantly communicating on social media and they're texting one another instead of getting together in person. We keep talking about how we as humans crave this human to human interaction. Mm -hmm. and, And that's why the brand event is so powerful for a brand. But now we're talking about virtual venues what are the benefits there? I mean, you're not you're not gaining that right. human human interaction. Is it because companies have gone so global and it's expensive to fly people around the world? What are the advantages? I, I think I think it's all those things. So I, I do truly believe that live experiences, live events are truly a, a brand's and especially B2B brands uh, most important and most valuable touch point, right? But that being said, Events are expensive. They're expensive for the company that puts them on. You got to rent the space, the food. You know, you hope the crew to build. You, you have, have to have all build. the equipment. You, in, you inherently um, can only attract a certain percentage of your, you know, all your consumers are engaging with it. On the participant side, you got to plan ahead. You got to take, you know, make sure that your stuff at at work is is being taken care of. You got to buy a plane ticket. You got to get a hotel room. You got to you know, all these things that have to happen. So I think, you know, and the most obvious thing is, it's just a better, more cost-effective way for a brand and for, for audience to connect with each other and engage with each other. Um, so that's number one, right? It's just more cost-effective to do it than, than fly, you know, a bunch of people out, salespeople, time off, opportunity costs, all that kind of stuff. Um, but that being said was because it is a virtual world, there's some advantages there, right? So if you could have a virtual world that's almost as good as that in this that in human interaction, mm-hmm. right? What the virtual world offers you is number one, uh, as we move towards a more personalized one-to-one engagement standpoint, I could do, I could see as you as your avatar approached me, I could potentially see a dashboard of all the things that you've interacted with. What I um, like. You know, what you like, you know, um, follow. maybe you're existing, you know, are you a current customer or a prospect? Where are you in the in the journey? You know, who have we talked, what have we talked about before? And I can tailor my message and my content to your specific needs really, really tightly, right? Number two is from an analytics standpoint, mm. in the in the in the physical world, I'm still, you know, yes, maybe we exchange business cards and, and things like that, but it's still you know, it's still a little bit of anecdotal if that experience led to that sort of business outcome, right? If everything is done within one virtual platform, then now you can really uh, closely and almost quantitatively tie that experience to that particular business outcome and just give you a better picture of how well that marketing touch point, uh, you know, did as it as it you know as it generated say leads or generated a difference in consumer attitudes or or whatever it, whatever your business outcomes are. So, are you picturing a future with virtual trade shows and and, and virtual national sales meetings? Pot- potentially, I mean, it costs a lot of money for companies to fly people out and give it. The, you know, part of the benefit of flying your sales force to, say, Vegas or something is they get a chance on wine, get away from the nine to five, you know, be in a beautiful setting, a beautiful hotel, interact with each other. But it is expensive. So, right. you know, so maybe, maybe these are a compliment. Right. Exactly. So maybe you're not replacing it, but you're complimenting it. And maybe you're doing it throughout the year because we all know, for instance, you know, uh, national sales meetings, 
it's it's really a training opportunity too, right? So you right. say, okay, here's the products we're going to roll out this year. Here's how to sell against your competitors. Here's maybe some new regulations that you know you have to abide by, things like that. Well, we all know about training that people are all gung-ho and then that leaves them two or three days later. So maybe if you train them there but you have follow-ups that are done in a more virtual way, mm. it's cost-effective, can improve retention, and you can increase the frequency of them because the expense right. is a little bit less. That's exactly right. So, you know, probably helps with networking too. I mean, we talk about brand dates and all these technologies that are coming out to make networking less awkward, um, making it easier to find people with um, like-minded people to connect sure. with. Sure. So I'd imagine approaching someone in a virtual venue might be a little bit less intimidating than approaching them in person. That, that's a great point. You know, uh, there are some tools out there uh, like brain dates that you talked about from E180 that, uh, that do specifically try to pair you with somebody that, you know, maybe has a common interest or uh, uh, or something uh, that you can learn from. Yeah, that you can learn from or something like that. Um, but most sort of, you know, interactions within an event are sort of by chance, right? Mm -hmm. So now within a virtual environment, you could have very purposeful interactions with very, you know, with people that you actually really want to engage with and you can do it without that awkward, you know, that awkwardness of, of approaching a stranger and and, you know, and striking up a conversation. So that's a great point too. Yeah, I mean, I struggle this with this one because I think, you know, we've seen like ticket sales to festivals going up and all this yeah. kind of thing, people craving this human interaction like we talked about earlier. And you and I grew up at a time when it, we lived half our lives analog and then right. digital came into play. Yeah. And, and so we've kind of straddled two different worlds here. But I know my own kids, my son plays Xbox Live with his friends. He considers that a play date when he's yeah. talking on Xbox Live. My daughter uses um, House Party, which is like FaceTime, except for you can invite a couple of friends and all and all communicate like FaceTime, but you know four or five of them together. Um, and again, like they schedule that and they want to hang out virtually. So. Who knows? I mean, it, it seems like this is a, a necessary thing because it's the way the world's moving. Yeah. But um, I still think human interaction trumps all. And and I can sit there and, and agree with you, but you bring up a great point that the next generation may have no discernment between a live human interaction and those done in done digitally. And we, we see it with our kids in in you know in playing the uh, you know these live video games socially that they really think they're with their friends and they're you know they're they're improving the relationships and and bonding over these types of experiences so i you know again i could sit here and say that it'll never replace a human interaction but there's a lot of business reasons why it could and potentially with that next generation who has you know wholeheartedly both feet into that digital world it, it may very well replace human interaction sometime. But but until then, I do believe that this is just going to be a compliment because that uh, that event is so such a powerful marketing touch point that hopefully you'll be able to have more of them in, in a better experience than it is if you're just, say, you know, broadcasting or webcasting something to a fairly passive audience. If you mm -hmm. can further bring in your audience and have them engage and have them able to sort of self-direct and look around and be in the moment and be there, and it's the sort of the next best thing to being there, then it may be something that complements that live experience for the near term. 
And one last question, Joe. Does this mean that everybody needs to have um, an Oculus headset at home? Because I could see that being a limitation. Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I, I think that my personal opinion on VR is it is such a, a drastically disruptive and transformative technology, similar to TVs in the 50s, similar to, say, iPhones in the 2000s, right. that – Everyone's going to have everyone's one. Everyone's <laughs> going to everyone's going to have one. Um, additionally, you know, Samsung Gear VR, Google Cardboard has made uh, virtual reality accessible to anyone. Right. Um, it For might fairly not be, cheap. Yeah, it may not be the best experience, you know, right now. But I think in the next few years, everyone is going to have, you know, headsets, or they'll figure out a way to even. Do eliminate. it without the eliminate and not have the need for the headset. So I don't think that is necessarily the limiting factor of it. And I think that the experience itself is just so unbelievable that this is absolutely a technology that's here to stay. And how it how it changes and transforms in person events will be really interesting to watch and see. Huh. Well, thanks for sharing another inspirational trend, Joe. No problem at Very all. Very thought-provoking yes. about the future of our world. Yes, and, good and questions. Thank human you. Human interaction. And <laughs> Life as we know it. Exactly. Well, listeners, if you have a question, feedback, or a trend you want to share, we'd love to hear from you. Email the team at Kramer.com. Kramer, C-R-A-M-E-R. Or you can find us on Twitter with the handle at WeAreKramer. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.